My name is Bobby. I'm a paramedic with 27 years of experience in EMS and fire. And my name is Jason, and I'm a retired paramedic with 20 years experience in EMS and fire. And together we're paramedics unscripted. On this show, everything is on the table. We'll talk about burnout in the business, calling 911 for non-emergency reasons, poly pharmacy, frequent flyers, the current housing market, the financial system, BS doctor office visits, or anything else we want to, all from a paramedic's point of view. And why? Because we're paramedics unscripted. Welcome back into Paramedics Unscripted. I'm your co-host Jason. I'm here with my co-host Bobby for episode number 35. Bobby, how you doing, brother? Yo, yo, yo. What's up, bro? <laughs> What's up, brah? What's up, bro? What's up, bro? How you doing, bro? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Oh, shit, man. So much. Do you know what I mean, man? Don't you question me, man. Do you know what I'm saying? Don't you know I'm local? Don't you know I'm crazy, I say? Don't you know I'm local? <laughs> local. All right, cool, man. Well, so I, get... I can do that. I'm, I can do that because I'm half Mexican. There you go. See, and I can do it because you're doing it. So. That's right. We don't discriminate. We don't discriminate on this podcast. <laughs> if Bobby can do it, I can do it. God damn it. <laughs> I love Mexico. <laughs> Like I can make fun of Bobby. No, I won't say that. All right. Um, anyway, uh, so we, we're getting back into this. Uh, we've been off for a couple months, just waiting for some cool topics to talk about. But we got one today. And do you want to start off with EMS or the, well, I guess either one of them or both EMS. We have two big EMS topics to talk about today. First of all, I'd like to apologize if I, people hear me sniff. Because I'm freaking got some sort of a sinus infection. I don't know what's going on. It's been going on. It's just, you know, since the weather can't make up its mind, whether it wants to be hot or cold where I live, you know, it's... And then I guess now, since I'm getting older, I, I'm affected by the pollen. Well, plus all that so, coke residue. I know, man. <laughs> it's all that shit. It's all, it's all that. It's all that blow. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, just joking. We don't do drugs. All right. Uh, um, <laughs> anymore. Um, so. No, I know, Jason. You wanted to talk. I mean, we were talking about uh, when we were pre-gaming. We were talking about uh, SWAT medics. Yeah. Which is a topic that we have not really addressed which i think is a good topic because uh it's definitely something that exists and i think it's it's actually a a great topic so yeah this was from the, a uh like an article i saw i don't remember where i saw it. this is a while ago um mm-hmm. within the last six months to a year somewhere in that time um but they were talking the article was discussing because everybody well if you do fire ems police all that kind of stuff you already you probably understand what a swat team is um and they're the badasses that get all geared up and go kick ass when they have to and stuff like that for law enforcement uh, purposes. Um, but all those teams, and we had them where I work too, where uh, they have a medic on the team. Um, where I worked, the medic was brought in from the fire department. Um, so they, they, they did not have a, a medic that was trained on the actual like sheriff's office or police department or whatever. Um, right. So they pull from the medic you know, that way. It's volunteers and you get to go do it. Now, where we were at the time, uh, they did not carry the medics did not carry weapons on them because um, they're not trained and whatever, all that other stuff. So they would be right. in the background, right? They'd be in the background uh, and then they would come in as needed, but they're not like on the entry team or something like that. But a lot of jurisdictions are having them on as part of the actual team of people going into these houses or wherever they go, buildings, whatever they're doing. That's how I was trained. Yeah. And that's what they're trying to do because they want to have that safety Pe- the safety people basically right there. Now you're not going to be the, probably the first one going in. 
that would be kind of silly, I guess. But they'll be on that. No, usually, uh, or girls. Yeah, I don't mean to interrupt. Usually, no, the way it worked, the way I was trying, I I went through uh, SWAT tactical training right after nine eleven because that's when it was. Uh, I mean, there was usually uh, U.S. Park Police as far as a civilian SWAT course. They had a a course back in the nineties. It was big. That was a uh, SWAT medic course in which, but for some reason, I don't know if it was funding or for some other reasons, they stopped doing the course. So a lot of people would seek out, you know, private organizations that taught the same type of training. And a lot of these guys were former SWAT were former special operators and, you know, in special forces, you know, or any type of, uh, you know, special operations community in the military. And um, you would hire them out and you'd go through some pretty intense training, you know, and get certified. That's what I did. And um, the way I was trained was, you know, I mean, like, we would train in 12 men, 12 men, 12 women stacks, which uh, you got a stack, you know, 12 operators, you know, getting ready to, you know, it was all close quarter battle type scenarios. You know, for people that don't know what close quarter battle is, it's basically, you know, close quarter you know, inside structures and you're clearing out rooms, et cetera, you know, kind of like you see in the movies or whatnot, close quarter being you're in close quarter, close contact inside some sort of a structure or in some sort of tight area. Okay. And, um, we'd have like a, a 12 person stack and, you know, you'd start from there, you'd breach the door and usually the medic, which was me or anybody else I was training with was like usually eight back in the stack. Okay. And um, the way we would work it was, you know, you'd be clearing a room, and if, like, say one of your comrades in front of you were to go down, you know, you would have, you would be there to take care of them, drag them out, you know, out of somewhat of the hot zone into, like, some sort of cover, or you would treat them right there, but you could always, you would also have someone behind you covering you. Okay. Okay. So... And it was, uh, it, it worked really well. You know, I'm just going to keep it uh, just real, you know, kind of basic terms here. Um, it worked really well. It was, it was, it was great, but I know there's a lot of, uh, you know, SWAT and tactical teams around here with, with various law enforcement departments, you know, whether it's sheriff's department, police department, whatever, that their medics are not armed and they're not in the stack they're really, they're kind of held back in a green zone. And when someone goes down, then they go in. Right. That sounds like what we had. Um, did, did, what did you right. have where, when you were doing your training, were you armed or no? Yes. We, okay. we either, you know, we were armed. I mean, the way we trained was with uh, either MP fives, which is, you know, the tactical, you know, assault rifle nine millimeter or, uh, or like an M four, nice. or we would just train or we would just train with like with handguns. Okay. You know, those, those three, those are like kind of the three primary weapons, you know, cause when you look at most, uh, depending on where you are, I mean, you know, most, I, most tactical teams, you know, they're going to be carrying like M4, you know, assault rifles, you know, which is the military version of like, or the civilian version of that would be the AR-15. The only difference is AR-15 is semi-auto and the M4 has the capability of going full auto cause it's, it's military grade. Now, when you did your um, certification class that you took for that, did that ever like cross we did, over? We did into- not use live fire. We did no, no, I, I would assume you wouldn't use live fire for that. But yeah. did you ever, did that ever turn into 
working on an actual job doing that? Like, did it that, could have. It could have. Like, so that sort of case was like legit and recognized and everything. By the yeah, it could have, but yeah, it could have, but um, it, I I just decided I didn't. Nothing really came up at the time. I mean, where I was working at the time, we were trying to put a MERT team together, you know, a medical emergency response team, which would facilitate any type of, you know, maybe surrounding tactical teams or whatnot. But uh, it, it never kind of surfaced. So it just, you know, did I do it? No. I just, you know, did I hold the cert? Yeah. Did I really do anything with it? Not really. No. Well, because that, that, um, that, I mean, you went through the training, so... I'm assuming you believe that they should have firearms, like the medical. Yeah, this is the, this is this is this is my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I maybe it's because it was the way I went through, but um, I feel like if someone goes down, especially when it comes to your fellow teammate, or even you know if it's a Hasha's rescue situation, one of them goes down, someone needs to be inside right then. Okay, and. I can only speak for myself and for what I went through is, you know, you had a medic in the stack that was ready and armed, you know, ready to, to take care of business if someone went down and they also had someone covering their ass. Yeah, that's smart. And, uh, you know, so, um, you know, I, I can't really speak for the tactical medics that are, you know, people that, that are part of tactical teams or auxiliary SWAT teams that, that, have their medics in somewhat of a green zone. I don't really know how that works because I've never been trained that way. I've never trained in any scenario like that before, but, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, my opinion. Yeah. I think that they should be armed and they should be, you know, part of the, uh, the 12 person team. Well, I agree. I agree. Or eight person team, depending on how many people you have in that, that assault team. Yeah, I agree with that too. Cause like where I worked, um, I was not on a SWAT team as a medic or anything like that, but we would go to hostage scenes. We'd go to all those kind of scenes as a, just a non right. unit. You go there all the time, but you would always stage, they would have you staged, dispatch would have you staged, you know, far out from the scene or, or at a staging right. zone that they had already pre set up, like law enforcement had set up. So you're near the scene, but not near the scene, if that makes sense. Um, well, that, and that's, that's what a, happens. Oh, go ahead. Go sorry. ahead sorry, no, no. Uh, I, well, I was just going to say that's the, that's the downside to me of the green zone, which is what I described where I was. Um, that right. Other coworkers have talked about is that you're delaying the response time. It right. may be a minuscule amount depending on where the staging zone is, but you know, it's gunfire potentially if someone has a gun, you know, they can shoot, those can shoot pretty far. So they're going to have that, that circle out further out. Um, and you're right. delaying that response time. Whereas if you have a medic, you know, in the line, obviously there are now bad news is they're also in the line of fire should, should hit the fan. Um, but also they are, like you said, right there to, start care right away and get pressure on wounds and all that other stuff as well as have cover. Like you said, which was a good idea um, to have cover for the person behind you to get out of the hot zone or at least out of the hottest zone, maybe to the you know, lukewarm zone or something, you know? Right. Cause to me that, that makes the most, cause you're already in there. You're already in there. And, uh, um, and if you are having to drop and treat someone and pull them to somewhat of a, of a covered space, you also have someone, that was behind you covering your ass and, and covering your six while you're treating that patient. Yeah. Cause, cause you know, yeah. and you're also armed yourself just in case, which I think you should be. If you're going into a place where other people have guns, um, right. you know, in a situation and they're using them or they're threatening to use them or whatever, uh, right. the cops all have guns. You should have some right. sort of protection in that sense too. You know what I mean? 
Right. And like I said, this is just my opinion because that's the way I trained, you know, back in, you know, 2002. Um, but, you know, in my job now, we do do active shooter drills that we work with, you know, other agencies such as we've worked alongside of, depending on the scenario over the past number of years, we've, uh, you know, we've been in training scenarios with like FBI's, you know, HRT, you know, their hostage rescue team and we've worked with uh, other federal agencies as far as what their tactical teams were but we were in a I'm not going to we were we weren't even in like a tactical we weren't even tactically ready we were just basically su- firing EMS support in a green zone just to support them whenever they were going to pull any wounded out right so it was different right it wasn't you weren't part of the um you weren't part of any type of uh, tactical scenario, you were based outside in the cool zone. And, and if they brought in anybody out, then you would go to town. Right. And you're waiting for them for, in that situation, you're waiting for law enforcement to secure the scene. And then, right. and that way they call you in or like a lot of times in our County too, um, they would even have us for, for real call. I'm talking about real shooting stuff. They would even right. have a stage in quarters. So they right. they dispatch on the call. You mark up on the air that you're on the air, but you're just really just sitting in your station. So it's the safest place, obviously. Right. Um, but yeah, you're away. You're right there and can initiate care. I've only had one call that I went on where it was someone with a gun, and I don't want to get into the whole incident. But um, we had, we staged in an area fairly close to the scene, and we're given um, a sheriff's office radio because at that at right. that point in time we didn't have a radio where we could switch channels to their stuff too. Um, this is right. a little bit older time. Um, but they gave us our radio and they said, Hey, if, they, if we tell you to, if you hear, you're going to hear a gunshot most likely, uh, right. cause they were going to beanbag shoot him. You know, this guy to take him down this was less, less lethal force. Um, and the, and then of course they had people that could really shoot him if they needed to, but they said, if you hear shots and we tell you to, we'll tell you on this channel, you know, go team go basically. And then you're going to haul ass into the scene down this hill thing and turn. And so, right. And every, everybody's going to have differences of opinion. Cause, uh, like for instance, I think kind of what you and I have discussed as far as firing EMS when you're not part of the tactical scenario, you're you're in the cool zone outside. It's kind of the same equivalent. It, it's equivalent to like being on a fire ground and you're strictly EMS on the fire ground and you're there for rehab and you're there for whenever they pull people out. You right. Know? Yeah. You're and, just sitting and, there waiting basically. You're on the sideline. Yeah. You know, pretty much unless, you know, you're dual trained, which most people are, and you're, you're, you know, you get an opportunity to go in if like, uh, they need an extra set of hands. Now, what now, now based off this topic, um, and I, we didn't talk about this pre-show, but I'm just going to kind of link it over a little bit. What now we both kind of made our opinions on, on this, that we believe if you're a SWAT medic, you should be carrying. Um, and that's obviously up to your jurisdiction, but to me, to sure. both of us, it makes the most sense. If you're going in, you need to be armed just like everybody else. Now, what is your philosophy? What is your philosophy on bulletproof vests? I'm not talking about in this scenario. I'm just talking about a regular EMS. What are you, you know, maybe you work in a city or something like that. What are your, what are your philosophies on bulletproof vests for EMS providers? We're, we're provided. I have, I have full vest with uh, plates on each side or on both sides. Where, where, where you work now you are, you have that. Yeah. Okay. Do you have, do you have to wear it? Is it required or is it, uh, you know, obviously, um, it's, it, 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 we don't have to wear it on every call. Uh, it's just, um, if certain scenarios go out, yeah, we have it ready to go. Is it, is it one of those ones you just throw over your shirt then? 
this is uh, the one I have. It's not the uh, flip top. It's 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 the you're putting it on almost like a life jacket, and it's velcroing it, you know. But it looks the same when it's on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's uh, it's heavy duty, and you're you're putting it on like a like a like a jacket with like a sleeveless jacket, and then it velcros, you know, from you know from one side to the other up the front, and then when it's all velcroed, it looks the same as the one you would just flip over your head. Yeah, that's but what it's we a had. Lot. It's I'm... a lot. It's a it's not as thin based as some of those are. Yeah, that's a, that's like we had um, when I worked at long, 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 long time ago. I worked at Loomis Fargo Armored Car, and we had we, right. were, we could get the kind you put under your shirt, of course, and you you know you wear it like, like under uniform. You just look bulky, right. or you could get the kind that was over over your clothes. And I always got the overclothes one because then when you're in the truck, you know, back in the truck, and you're you know done for the day, and you're driving back or whatever, you could either if you wanted to take it off, or or you could at least undo it to let air get in, you know, because right. those things get hot. Especially in the in the summer months and stuff like that. Oh yeah, especially. I mean, that's why when you see like a lot of cops now, the ones they're wearing. I mean, they're, they're a lot thinner, yeah, a lot lighter, yeah. You know, I mean, they can they can put just as much shit on them, you know, as far as gear, but they're a lot thinner. They're not. They don't look as bulky. Well, um, plus I'm sure technology's improved as far oh, as yeah. like bowling stop, bullet stopping power and stuff. Since, since I mean, this one, I it has the opportunity to be a lot more lightweight, but I keep the plates in it. You know, I keep, you know, the, the insert plates on, on the front and the back. Well, yeah, you're obviously not going to want to get in a horrible situation where you're getting right. shot at or something. Be like, oh, sure. Glad I took those plates out. At least I'm not sweaty. Right. <laughs> you know, you know so it, it, it's just, uh, you know, the plates are added protection, you know, but. Uh, now, do you think all counties should uh, should provide their providers with those? You know, because that's a gear. It's a cost. They're expensive. Um, uh, it's up it's up to them, man. I mean, uh, I. I feel like that it also depends on where you're at and but we've also seen you know especially over the past couple of years that it doesn't really matter where you live anymore right that's what i was getting at that's that's all it seems to hit the fan like it seems like everywhere yeah i'm trying to get you thinking a little bit because that's like yeah yeah because that's that's the whole thing it's like you don't you know you could you know stereotypically say like oh if you're near a city maybe you know it's gonna be more violent stuff like that but that's not necessarily true anymore now that you're having all, hearing all this horrible shit going on around suburbs and stuff too. So nowhere's or even rural areas, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that's what I was wondering too. Cause those are, it's expensive. And of course, um, in my experience, counties like to, uh, or counties, cities, states, whatever you, whatever agency you work for or private, even they're, they're, they balk a lot of times at those kind of expenses until, until something bad happens, like someone dies and then they kind of get their hand forced, you know? That's that's what know, I've man. seen. I'm not saying that's the right answer, but that's what I've seen. Especially since everybody's pissed off at Bud Light now. Everybody needs to wear one. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. That's I'm so joking. Funny. Yeah, so that but I saw, that, I, I, I saw this I saw this meme the other day that was freaking hilarious and I'm sure people get offended when I say it, but it was funny as hell. It was, what uh, was it? it came across my news feed. I think it was on Facebook or one of them. And it showed a, it showed a deuce deuce can of Bud Light, and the caption said, "Man, pounding a tall boy after work has a new meaning now." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's so fucked up, but it's so funny. It's fucking it's so it's so effed up, but it's funny as hell, you know. But I mean, just just the shit that comes out. You know, just how fast these memes come out. I mean, literally, like it seems like within seconds after this this type of 
situation happens, you know, no matter what it is. Oh, now like well, there's a meme within 30 seconds. Well, now that you have all the social media and, and there's like all these things print on demand for like, you know, online businesses and stuff like that. The, the creative people are out in droves because before you had to like, it was really hard to like, you know, get a shop, order t-shirts, order whatever, you know, you couldn't do all this stuff before. Now you can do, and even like, now you can just go on Facebook and make, you can go on websites, make a meme and put it wherever you want and blast it all over Instagram or whatever, TikTok right. or whatever the fuck you want to do it on, you know? So it's, it's, it is kind of funny how fast they're like with it. Like oh, they just wait for I, that headline and they're like, got it. You know? <laughs> I just saw that. I just, I just, couldn't help but start laughing because it was, you know, it was just funny because, I mean, come on. I know, it, just, it is. Everybody has, even if you're for or against whatever the, you know, whatever you're for, what's going on with this old Bud Light scenario, I mean, it, you have to admit, if you have a sense of humor, that's... that's yeah, it's one of those ones you're like, okay, well played. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, so, let's, but, yeah. Well, let's get into our next EMS topic because this was a two for today. Um, you yeah. wanted to talk about, uh, we all have, of course, heard of chest pain calls and running those as are a majority of uh, ALS calls you're going to run as an ALS provider. Um, if you're new to the field, you're going to run a lot of those. But you wanted to touch on something that obviously I can't comment on because I retired a long time ago. Um, but with the new, what you're calling the new chest pain call. So take it away. Yeah. And there's probably a lot of EMS people out there that might disagree with me, but I'm just, I'm just speaking. Speaking of my experiences, you know, what I've seen, especially post pandemic, you know, or for those of you who still believe that there is a massive pandemic going on, but, um, uh, a lot more influx of chest pain, you know, and it, and when I, we were talking about this before the show, how I describe it as somewhat different, you gotta be a little bit more fine tuned now because we've had a number of cases where, you know, normally like if we would have a chest pain case, we'd work, we'd work it as a full, you know, chest pain workup, you know, treat it like a possible MI, whatnot. We'd, you know, do the full, full exam, you know, 12 lead, you know, the whole nine yards. And, you know, normally we'd see it look on a 12 lead. And if we didn't see anything, eh, not see anything that excites me, you know, and say they're not in any pain, you know, a lot of times we'd be like, look, you know, we'd like to run you up to the hospital because, you called us for chest pain, even though you're feeling fine now. Um, we've done everything we can as far as what we do, but the real kicker is going to be, you need labs, you need blood work. Right. You know, you need to see, we need to see if those enzymes are being put out in your, you know, your blood, if there's any type of, you know, any, you know, tissue issues. And, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, a lot of, oh, I feel fine. Now. I don't want to go. So, okay. And then, Press hard three cups. Yeah, and then, but the thing I've noticed a lot now is it's it's a lot younger people now. I can't speak for everybody, but I'm just saying what I've been seeing, and um, it's despite popular belief. I mean, I've seen it a lot. You know, post pandemic and post uh, post vaccines. You know, a lot more chest pain and positive rule-ins when it comes to younger people. And um, that can't be overlooked. I think that definitely needs to be addressed. And, you know, my message is, and, you know, a lot of EMS people probably kick my ass for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. You know, if you have chest pain, call. If you have chest oh, pain, go get checked out. Because 
nowadays you just don't know what's going on. I mean, most of the time it's probably going to be nothing. But if your gut is telling you that something else is going on, listen to it. Yeah, you know, because like I said, we've I've come across a lot of scenarios now where you know, people on the surface they look fine. They're, like I said, they're 12 leads clean, you know, they're they are having all the signs and symptoms, but they were went away as soon as we got there. Um, and then everything looked clean, even though like on certain leads of the 12 lead, you might have slightly little bit of elevation, but a lot of times just be like, eh, it could be either or could be, could be lead placement. You know, it could be something that they had prior to, but still I'm always going to say right, it's like borderline or check. something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you, yeah. It's, it's worth a check out. Just even if, sure. even if it's just for peace of mind, but a lot of people won't. They're like, oh, I feel fine now. I'm just, okay. You know, now, now were you one of those people, on a, gonna... were, hold on, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I have to ask this question. No. Were you one of those people that when, when, would you fight for someone to go to the hospital? Like, would you? I used to. I used to. Same, I, that's I, the same with me. Yeah, I used to because I think when, uh, you know, when you, when you first get into it and then when you're into it, I'm going to say like probably, I'm going to say the first 10 to 12 years. Um, yeah, I, I would fight because, you know, you, you're coming from, look, we can only do so much here and what we do is a lot, but you need to have labs drawn. You need to have a chest X-ray, you know, you need to be seen by a physician. And then if something is off or wrong, they've got everything, you know, especially at a cardiac center to deal with it right then. Sure. So yeah, I've always been like, you know, it's it's better to weigh in the side of caution than to try to talk somebody out of it just because you don't want to transport them to the hospital. But would you yeah, try to that, talk that, them that into That could be it. your mom, that could be your dad, that could be your sister, your brother, you know, I mean, just put yourself in that situation. But would you try to talk them into it? Would you continue to push? That, that's to, where, yeah, that's what I was, because that was, that was what I was getting now, at. Now, if it's like, like say for instance, I get a lot now where, um, you'll have people that'll call and even if it's one of those things where, yeah, it's been going on for the past three days. It's like, okay, so what made it an emergency at two o'clock in the morning? <laughs> um, it's like, well, like, it progressively got worse. They woke me up in the middle. Oh, it woke you up in the middle of the night. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's pretty significant if it woke you out of a dead sleep. Cause it was that bad. Right. Right. Well, right. You, know, you know, you know, even, even nowadays, if I can reproduce the pain, you know, like if, you know, for a lot of people out there that don't know, most of the time, if someone's complaining of chest pain and it's like, okay, can you point to where it is? And they say, okay, and they say point to anywhere on their chest where they're having significant pain. And I press down on that area and it, it significantly increases the pain. Um, a lot of the times it's most likely going to be musculoskeletal problems, whether they lifted something the wrong way, they tweaked out like fine muscle fibers, who knows, or could be something significant going on. You just don't know. But um, getting back to like it's two o'clock in the morning thing, you know, if that's pretty significant. If it wakes you out of a dead sleep and it's it's that bad or you, you're complaining of something that feels like heartburn that bad that it woke you out of sleep at two o'clock in the morning, yeah, that needs to be addressed. But if they feel fine by the time we get there, and they just want, well, you know, I feel good now. You know, it's gone away. It's it's zero out of ten pain. 
you know, I've, uh, you know, it's been, even though it's been going on for three or four days, I, I feel good now. So I don't, I don't want to go to the hospital. It's like, okay, but you know, these are the risks. I just, now I'm like, these are the risk factors. I said, uh, what I say now is I can't make you go, you know, it's up to you. You know, your body better. Would I advise you to go? Absolutely. Um, these are the factors why I think you should go. Woke you out of a dead sleep. It was that bad. It was initially 10 out of 10. It's been going on for several days. You know, you said it radiated down your left arm or into your back or up your jaw, your neck, whatever. Yes, that is of significance where it needs to be addressed further. So, yeah, I will advise them, but I'm not going to, you know, I used to be like a little bit more forceful about it. You know, not forceful, but I a little bit more like, hey, you need to go. I know you don't want to, but you need to. You know, now it's like, if it's, if no, but if it's an absolute heart attack, myocardial infarction, you know, I can like, they're throwing tombstones and, you know, on the 12 lead, which they have massive, you know, ST elevation, which is a direct indicator that they're having an MI. Yeah, I'm going to. Look, if you well, don't yeah, know, those are definitely there's, there's a possibility you're not going to wake up if you go back to sleep. Yeah, those I'm getting the police involved if I have sure. to or something like that. But I'm talking like, well, I, the, the reason I was asking is like, I remember in my career, I got moved. We had three shifts, A, B, C shift. And at one point they needed someone to go from C shift to B shift because they had people out for whatever re- extended period of times for different things. Right. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll go, whatever. Whatever you need me to do. And um, so I worked with a, another medic who'd been a medic for a long time. And um, she was awesome. And uh, we went on a call. And of course, we take turns. You know, she was also an officer. She was a sergeant. Um, and uh, but we would take turns. You know, all, every every other call we switch. Every other transport we would switch. Uh, who's who's teching? Who's driving? So I'm I'm teching on this particular call. It was like a you know a pediatric. Um, you know, mom was freaked out about the kid. Not I don't remember what the problem was, but it was like a new mom freaking out about a little baby kind of thing. And so we right. get there. We check out the kid. Kid's fine as far as we can tell. And we're like, you know, and I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm running the call. So I'm like, Hey, you know, everything we can see is good. Your baby's crying. That's awesome. So the lungs are clear. Like there's no issues here with this. I understand it scared you. Uh, blah, blah. We're not mad that you called obviously like always call. If you have a problem, that's what we're here for. Um, but do you want to go, do you want to take your, your, you know, obviously come with you with us and take your child to the hospital with us. And she's like, well, no, cause she's acting really normal. I think I just got scared. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Um, are you sure, you know, because you did call us, you know, so whatever, but if you don't want to go, that's fine. That's your right. Um, we're just going to have you call, sign what's called a patient refusal and blah, relinquishes of all liability, blah, 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 blah. And if you want to call us back at any time, we come back, we don't hold grudges. We're not mean people. So I'm getting her to sign. She's like, yeah, I don't want to go. I'm like, okay, cool. Signs a form. And then it was a townhouse, three story townhouse. Right. We're up on the third floor. Um, so now we're starting, we're leaving, like we're gathering our crap and we're, we're starting to head down. And then my partner, she went back. And started talking to, like, not the mom's coming down the stairs with us, like carrying the kid and like behind us, like she's kind of in, t- in tow kind of, and, uh, she's going down the kitchen or something and she's coming down with us and the, she stops and like starts talking to the lady again. Like, are you sure you don't want to go? Cause you really probably should go and all this stuff. And, and then she's like, no, no, I think we're good. And I'm like, okay. And so we keep going down the stairs and eventually we, like, this was a, um, the first floor, the bottom floor was the way out to, that was street level down there. So it was two up. So anyway, we get down to the first floor and she asks again. Now we're in the kitchen, the first floor. You are passing by the kitchen. She's like, you sure you don't? I really think you should go. And, and um, so anyway, she said no again. We leave. We finally leave. And we get in the truck and I'm talking to my partner 
as we're after we drive away and get away from the scene and we clear clear with dispatch and everything that we're done. Um, right. I talked to my partner. I'm like, hey, hey, um, I know I'm new on this shift, um, but but I'm very good at my job and uh, I take EMS very seriously. And uh, you're a sergeant, so I respect that. Um, if that's how you run your calls, that's fine. But then you can just tech all the calls because that was ridiculous. Like, I'm not, I'm not here to, like, there was nothing, it wasn't like we did something, like you said, like, it wasn't like we saw tombstoning and they still didn't want to go, like, that's different, I understand fighting at that point for, like, or just fucking making them go, you know what I mean? Yeah, because like, at uh, that point, there's most likely they're gonna, they're gonna... Right, right, something like that's, like, common sense. Don't, common sense, I'm, right. I'm not even, I don't care what you fucking say at that point. We're or they leaving. could start reperfusing, you never know. Yeah, we're, 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 we're leaving mm. at that point. And never, and never right. have I ever had a real call like a tombstone call like that where the patient was like i don't really want to go no, i've never had that they they always were like yeah they know something's wrong you know what i mean in those situations right uh, before you even get there but so we had to have a discussion and she's like why did you did i make you mad i was like no you didn't make me mad it's just i don't i don't upsell the transport like and this is like that's what i was asking because my older days or my younger days i should say like i would probably push a little bit you know because you get excited about it and stuff like that but as i got older in my career i was like look i'm not here like there's a hundreds of thousands of people in our area that we're responsible for with our 24 hour shift, you know, through 911 calls. Um, I'm not here to like force feed someone to go to the hospital. Um, unless it's like you said, one of those obvious ones. So I would just, I was just like, yeah, I, I just ask him. I ask him twice. I ask yeah. him once I get an answer. I ask him twice, make sure. And then I go over the thing of it's either you're going to be AMA against medical advice, or it's just a regular patient refusal. I explain to them that we're relinquished of all liability. And then I have them sign it. And then of course I tell them they can always call us back. We don't hold grudges. Right. I always do that every time. And then I said, after they sign, I, and I know this is kind of sounds horrible to say, but after they sign, I didn't care anymore because, because mentally I can't, like, I can't sit here and like go back to the station and, oh, yeah, and then can. dwell for six hours on, did the baby make it? Did the mom make it? Did the dad, did the son, but I can't do that. So like you're a grown up or someone in the house, like in that situation, the mom was obviously there for a kid. Um, she made a decision. She's an adult. She has a right to make that decision. I didn't see any obvious things that threw me the other way. And that was it. Now, could uh, obviously, could anything change? Anything possible change any day? Yeah, of course. You know, like we could get, wake up the next day and find out it was a cardiac arrest. Like, sure, it could happen. But I'm, my conscience is clear when I ask you twice. Ask you once, confirm twice, and then also reconfirm that third time when I'm getting the, you know, when you're signing, right before you sign. That's it. And then after that, but she wanted to like push and push. And I'm like, look, I'm not here to upsell people. You know, so that's why I was well, asking. I didn't know if you had that kind of situation. Right. No, and there are those times where, like, this this happened to me probably about a little over a month ago. Um, you know, I was, a, I was on shift and I was sitting in my room. You know, it was like, it was kind of dead the beginning of the morning. And um, we, our logistics building is right, is closest to our station than, than any of the other stations. Was that, was that your pleasure palace? <laughs> no. Okay, sorry. no, but, uh, but our, our logistics station was, is, you know, where we, we get, you know, all of our equipment and or anything that we get ordered in for equipment or we need replaced as far as furniture for the station or whatnot and stuff like that. We get through there, but we know one of the uh, logistics managers pretty well. So whenever, and he has a history of, of high blood pressure and stroke and whatnot. So whenever he has a problem, like he'll call, he won't call nine, he'll call us directly. Like, he, he's, the, you know, the phone rang. I picked it up, you know, like, and he's like, hey, man. He's like, can, can you guys come over and uh, check my blood pressure? It's like, yeah, man, what's going on? He goes, I don't know. It's just something that doesn't feel right. It's like, yeah, man, we'll be right there. 
So, I mean, since he did call us directly, of course, you know, you got to generate it and you got to get hold of dispatch. And so it's just recorded, you know, as an, as an actual call. Sure. And we, we get there and he's at his desk and he looks okay. And he's, he's like, yeah, I'm feeling a little better. You know, it's just, uh, his blood pressure is high. You know, he's like, he said, he's had a history of, of strokes and high blood pressure and he's on meds and he was slightly overweight and he's just like, yeah, I just, something didn't feel right. And we're just like, yeah, man, it's like, you know, and it happens to him quite a bit, you know, so he calls us just so we can check him out. So his, his blood pressure, I mean, it was high. I think it was like, it was like close to like 200 over like 120. Oh damn, that that's real. Yeah, that's real. It was like, or, or it, was, it was close to that. Yeah, yeah. You still, know? that's that's high. I think it's like more like one eighty over like one ten or something. Yeah, that's like still that. that's still high if you're yeah, on medication already. Exactly, yeah. and that's where like, you know, and I'm like, look, man, you know, we're telling him, it's like, hey, to be, you know, your body more than anybody else, but to be on the safe side, you know, and you've been through this before. Does this feel like one of those other times that you? had significant problems like stroke or whatnot. He's like, no, no. I'm like, when was the last time this happened? You only happened the other day because it happened to him frequently from what I remember him saying. And uh, it's like, okay. He's like, so it's like, we can take you to the hospital. That's not a problem. You know, you know, it's up to you at this point. You know, you know, we would love that you were here. We'll take you. No problem. You know, what would you like us to do? What would you like to do? And he's like, well, you know, I think I'm just going to wait it out. I think he's going to sit it out. I'm like, you sure? And he's like, he's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, all right, well, rest. Like, don't freaking over, you know, extend yourself. You know, chill out for a little bit. Get your blood pressure down. And get some water. Maybe a little something to eat. Um, but we're here. You know where we're at. We're, like, literally several blocks down the road. So if you need us, we're here. It's like, all right, man, I appreciate it. You know, I appreciate you guys. So, you know, and we're leaving. And I'm like, you know, me and my partner were like, yeah, we're going to get a call back. But we never did. Oh, but wow. then when I came back, I came back with my next, next shift, he had died. Oh, he, shit. uh, I, I was like, I, someone said, yeah, we, he, he passed away. And it's like, what? He passed away it's at like, his yeah, house like, or at work? I, I think at his house, like a couple days later, because it was like, fuck, dude. You, you, you just think, now, did you guys do like monitor and stuff on him? Did you guys check any of that? We, stuff? Oh yeah, we did full nine yards. Oh, okay, you know, that's since we're there, yeah, that's you know, good. you do full workup and um, you know, twelve lead, you know, full set of vitals, uh, you know, uh, blood sugar, you know, everything. And um, no, you know, he, you know, but then of course you start thinking about, well, f- f- fuck, should I have been forceful? Should I have been a little bit more forceful than I was? But did I? Did I was I, was I not forceful enough because I thought maybe in the back of my mind, well, he can wait it out. He doesn't really need to go if he doesn't want to go. You know, you start, you start second guessing, you know, especially when it's something that happened directly after you were called there to check him out and then he didn't want to go. And then not too long after that, he passed on. Yeah, but I, mean, you, I don't think you can hold yourself like, you know, that, you know well, what I mean? Like you just, you just start running it in your head. Yeah, you yeah, know, but and, it's. Because it, it's one of those things, it's it's the same thing with, um, and I think we've talked about this on previous episodes, um, same thing with, like, suicide patients, you know, mm-hmm. that are, that are they're, they're mentally, like, at that point or whatever, and um, 
I know we had a family friend. This is when I was a kid, but we had a family friend who uh, her daughter was very, you know, mentally unstable with that kind of stuff and was thinking about suicide and all that stuff. Right. And, um, and she was so bad off with it that they eventually took her to the local hospital that had a, like a psych ward thing there for that. And they kept her there uh, and monitor for a week or whatever they do. Right. And it was like, you know, whatever those kind of sessions were. And, um, and the mom was, you know, obviously distraught, but was glad that she was in the hospital and hopefully going to get the help she needed. And right. um, then eventually she got let out of the hospital because, you know, the, her time there had ended and she got let out of the hospital. And uh, like the next day, her mom came home and she was, she hung herself in the basement, hanging from the rafter in their house in the basement. And right. uh, of course the mom is distraught because she lost her daughter, you know, and she was obviously like dead. Um, and all that stuff. And, and her mom obviously was good friends with my mom. And, and she was obviously very distraught about what happened to her daughter. Um, and she was going through that thinking of like, what could I have done more? And you know, all the stuff. And that was the same, same thing. And I remember because I was a high schooler at the time. Um, but I remember obviously being part of that, hearing all the stuff and st not being part of the house part, but like hearing all the stuff with them talking to my mom and stuff like that about it. Cause they were good friends. And I just remember my mom was like, yeah, there's nothing you could have done because you already doing everything the system set out for you to do. Sure. And unfortunately in those kind of situations and just like with your, your co coworker friend there, um, you can only do those things. You can only ask for so much help. You can only, I mean, not ask for so much help, offer so much help. Um, you can't be with people 24 hours a day and people now in this situation, this girl was an adolescent obviously, but, but in your situation, your guy was an adult. So he's able to make, you know, he's a normal adult. He can make his own decisions and he made the decision and who knows, it might not have even been related. It might've been like, that was nothing. And then a day later, the real thing started, you know, you don't, you'll have no way of knowing that. So it sucks. So it's, it well, definitely yeah, sucks. It's just, you know, I think the biggest thing was, uh, uh, I was, you know, the thing I was saying, like, well, shit, was I a little too lackadaisy on, you know, him not going to the hospital? Was I encouraging that? You know, I mean, you know, was you feel kind of, you just like you said, you second guess yourselves. You feel some, you feel, you know, guilt, and you feel horrible because he passed away. And you know, but it's just, it's just one of those things that it's going to happen. You know, it's going to happen sooner or later. The longer you work in this line of work, it's going to happen, and it's going to happen close to you. Now, did you do like? Um, I don't know if you remember either, because I don't know a lot, no idea how long ago this was. Did you do a AMA one? For a refusal? Oh, yeah. I mean, we, uh, he signed a name. He signed, well, he signed a, just a general refusal. Because he, what, what I did in we our were, it wasn't like, it wasn't like we were like, dude, you need to go. You know, if you don't want to go with us, you need to sign out against medical advice. You know, we just, it was a conversation we had. It was like, look, if you don't want to go, you know, this happened to you a number of times before. Um, you know, your body better than anybody else. If you don't want to go, hey, we can't make you go. Well, I always, he, I always he knew the drill because we've, 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 you know, done this before. Because I always did the, like, if I had that. That's why he would that, call us directly at the station and not call 911. Yeah. If I ever had the, like, the uneasy feeling about a call, like that kind of, like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not mm -hmm. saying you had it at that call. I'm not, I wasn't there. I'm not here to judge you on anything. But, but I'm saying, like, if I ever, in my own experience, if I ever had a call where I was, like, kind of like, eh, you know, like that. Just to be on the safe side, I would always tell them, okay, I'm recommending you go to the hospital. You, if you don't want to, you don't have to, obviously, go through that whole spiel. Um, I'm going to have you sign here saying you don't want to go to the hospital. And then in there, we had a tablet, a tough book. Um, 
So in the big box where they could sign their name, I would, yeah. before I handed it to him, I would write AMA in big letters next to it on the right hand mm. side and then hand it to him and then be like, I put AMA here because you're signing against the medical advice. And then, you know, they would sign their name. And then, and then when I cleared the call on the radio, I would also get on the radio and say, you know, medic 10, we're clear patient refusal AMA. We're ready. You know what I mean? And then, and that way dispatch repeats it because they're going to repeat what you say. And it's also recorded anyway. So that way you have like lines and lines and lines of protection. Cause, and then of course, when I write the report, I'm going to end it with saying, and then we, you know, obtained a patient refusal against medical advice. Right. And the patient was right. told they could call back anytime. And, th- and that was, right. that was it. And that, that cleared my conscience because if you get in, if you're a newbie, um, when you get into the field, at least in my experience, um, you're going to want to be like the hero all the time. And like, I'm here to make a difference. You know what I mean? And all that kind of stuff. And that's awesome. Um, but like I said, you can't, you know, you, you have so many other calls to get to and all this other stuff. You can't spend hours on a scene, like trying to convince somebody, you know? Yeah. Things. And some people, you know, you have to let people make their own decision. And I hope, I hope his decision, like I said, I hope his wasn't related to that. I hope it was just like, that was, you know, unrelated. And then a couple of days later, maybe he had the big one and that sucks, you know? Well, my old partner, which is, he's a great medic, but he's a lot younger than me and he's got a lot less experience, but he's still really, really good. I mean, he's got a, a lot of experience with just, you know, he's, he hasn't been in the, the game. I've been in the game probably as long as he's been alive. He's not a dinosaur Almost. like yourself. Yeah. But, um, he, uh, there's a couple times where he, uh, and if he's listening, I hope he doesn't get mad at me saying this. But uh, he would, uh, you know, there'd be times where we would uh, be the same type of scenario. Say it was a chest pain call, and, and uh, we didn't really see anything significant, but there's they still needed to be checked out. And he'd be like, he would start getting kind of, you know, kind of not irate, but he would just start getting a little bit more attitude and be like, Sir, you need to go to the hospital. If you don't go to the hospital, you're gonna die. You know, and it's just like, uh, it's like, hey man, that's that's relax. a little yeah, that's it's, a little it's extreme. Like, it's like you're making it worse. It's just it's just that he's passionate. And was he right? Did the guy need to get checked out? Yes, but the guy's already said no three times. He's already said no almost four times. So it's just like enough. He doesn't want to go. We're not going to agitate the situation anymore by you know, insulting or threatening the guy, even though you mean well. So, yeah, that's, that um, to me is crossing a line. Cause I would tell people sometimes on those, like you said, on those more serious calls, like, you know, you know, obviously this, you know, you're getting medical advice, obviously worst case scenario, you could die from this. Cause that's obviously the worst thing that could happen to you. Um, you know, I would say that, but other than that, I'm not, like I said, I'm not, I never force fed people, you know, that, you know. Oh um, yeah. I think a lot of, uh, <laughs> I think it happens to a lot of uh, like, we'll have a lot of drug overdoses that we'll bring back with, you know, Narcan. And as you know, depending on what they were taking and how much that Narcan is going to run its course and they could slip right back in, you know, and yep. uh, you try to tell them that and it's like, look, you know, either they're not telling you what they've been taking or how much, but you know damn well that it was as much that they freaking OD'd and they were out for the count until you brought them back. Or they'll tell you, yeah, you know, I've, uh, I've been doing, you know, I've done shot up, you know, heroin, 
four times today, and it's only like one in the afternoon since ten o'clock this Smaller. morning. Smaller. And um, it's like, it's like, look, we've given you enough to revive you now, but you need medical attention because just because we took away your high with this narcotic antagonist doesn't mean that it's not going to run its course and you could slip right back in depending on how much you've taken or, or, or what you've taken. I said, so you need medical attention because there is a possibility that if, if you sign out against medical advice, there's a possibility you could die. You know, that, that is a possibility. We, I, I will say that because I don't know, because we, we run that type of shit all the time where you break these people's high, they feel completely fine or they feel like shit or they're pissed off because you broke their high and then they don't want to go, but it's trying to convince them because it's like, look, this, this Narcan might only be temporary and you might be right back out. Now, were you allowed to, yeah. did you have to transport when you gave meds? Like at your, um, at your protocols or whatever with your protocol? It says that we have to, but if the patient doesn't want to and they're of their own sound mind, you know, like say, for instance, the two biggest ones are overdoses or allergic reactions, especially allergic reactions. If you've hit them with like, you know, epi, um, most people like in our protocols, anyway, if you, if, if they get hit, especially if they get hit with epi, they need to be evaluated just because that's, that's what's in our protocols. I mean, a lot of protocols might not even have, they, they might not even have that, but ours just be on the side of caution yeah, if you've given Epi or Narcan or D50 or D10. That's what I was going to say. My, yeah. my our, our county was, we didn't have, uh, not that I remember, we had protocols that said you had to take right. them. But um, the only ones I didn't take if I gave meds, um, and obviously it was a case-by-case -case, uh, situation, would be you know uh, D50 because yeah. a lot of those diabetics calls that go out there and, you know, they, first of all, they've gone, unless they're a new diabetic, okay, they're going to the hospital. If they're a new diabetic, and I give deep, they're going to the hospital. But if you find right. out when you, you know, eventually they come back, they're talking to you, they're, they're of sound mind and everything at that point. Um, and they're like, oh yeah, I've had diabetes for 20 years. And um, this has happened to me before. I'm really sorry. Thank you guys for coming out. I'm really sorry. You know, all that kind of stuff. They don't necessarily, I'm not saying that whether they need to or not, but as far as I'm concerned, I'm okay with them not going to the hospital because they've been through that before. They know what's going on. And obviously you tell them they need to eat stuff and all that other stuff. Right. Um, well, but yeah, but as far as Narcan, Narcan, if I'm giving Narcan, cause at that point the cops are there. Cause we're not on those kind of calls. We weren't even allowed to go in until the cops were there unless we were being ballsy for certain types of right. calls. But for the most part, cops are always going to be there at that point. I'd be like, Nope, you have to go to the hospital. I was like, you're either going with me or you're riding with him or her, you know? <laughs> and then they, of course they'd always pick us. And, uh, but I would always like, it's not, you know, if I'm giving you Narcan, you're definitely going to the hospital. Well, but it also, you're also in a fine line there. If you say you're either going with us or you're going with them, then the cops now are obligated to do a uh, emergency petition, which some of them might have a problem with because, hey, they're fine now. They're, they're answering all questions correctly. I'm not going to do that. Our you cops, know, we it, had a good I'm, relationship with our sheriff. Well, I know I'm not saying all of them, but there's some of them that will. Do oh, yeah. Some of them know. don't want to do an EPO, and they don't even understand that, you know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, you're, you're in an area where it's like, oh, well, they are completely in their own you know, sound mind, they're, they're completely lucid with it, you know, uh, can't kidnap them. And the cops aren't supporting it, at least this particular cop. So what do you do? You just, sometimes you gotta let them go. In that situation, uh, you're it, right. In that situation, because by yeah. law, you can't kidnap them, obviously. But, um, right. but yeah, I, I, 
where I worked, we had a really good relationship with our cops and they don't want to take them. Obviously. I mean, that's kind of common sense. They don't want to deal with that kind of stuff. Um, they want to do the crime stuff that the normal stuff they're there to do. Um, and so normally they would kind of back us up be like, you know, look, man, you really got to go, man, go with these guys. It's like, you know, you're, and I would tell them to him, like, Hey, you're going on, you're going to lay on a cot. It's like a lawn chair, you know, right. we're going to take you to the hospital. You're going to get checked out by a physician. Um, and after that, if you want to go home, you can go home, man. Like it's, it's chill. Right. You know what I mean? Like they're not going to force you anything at the hospital. We just need to get you evaluated, dude. You know? Correct. And then if I, I never, I personally never had anybody fight me of, of the narcotic part uh, ever because, because, because even if law enforcement doesn't sta- say anything, they're standing there. The people come out of the, out of their, you know, high, they see the cop. Sorry. I didn't mean to bump my mic there. They, um, they see the cop standing there. They see the badge. They see the uniform. They see the gun. And most of them were cool enough to be like, okay, <laughs> you know, they kind of knew what could be coming the other time. Cause if it's not yeah. medical, then it's criminal what they're doing. So without saying it, you could get a lot of point across just by them standing there. So it's kind of interesting. I just thought that was kind of neat to talk about anyway. No, I mean, it, it, it's something that literally happens more than people talk about. It, it happened. I mean, it, it, in where I'm at, it happens all the time. I mean, I don't know. It happens with, especially with overdoses with diabetics and with seizures, you know, even though um, let's be honest, mo- majority of the people that freaking seize all seize out, especially if it's a grand mall and they're going to be in a postictal state, which for a lot of people don't know what that is. It's basically that time period where post convulsions, post seizure, your brain is freaking exhausted and it's trying to reboot. So where you're going to be fucking out of it. Yeah. You know, that's easy time to grab and go. You're, at, you're not going to know who point. you are. You're not going to be able to answer any questions and you're just going to be in a fog. And so, yeah, that right there, it's implied you're going, you know, but there are some times where you question whether it really was a seizure or whatnot, or maybe it was, you know, a different type of seizure where they're not in a postictal state and they're not, they're answering all questions appropriately and they're, you know, everything checks out and they still don't want to go. Can't make them. But, um, uh, yeah, run into that all the time. And a lot of people are you know, kind of stuck wondering, like, well, shit, what do I do? Well, if you can't force them to go, like you can't kidnap them, you can't, and if they're not, and you ask them several times and they still don't want to go, and they're, you know, like I said before, they're lucid and they're answering everything correctly and they're with it, yeah, you can go the cop route because you're very concerned about them, but, you know, if the cop's not playing ball with that, what do you do? Yeah, for me in that situation, I'm writing up AMA refusal, obviously. And then yeah, I, the best uh, thing you I'm, do is cover your ass in your report. Yeah, and I'm getting uh, the the uh, off well in dispatch. We would have the officers like dispatch names, not their real names, but they have like codes they go by, call signs, whatever you want to call it. And um, I would put them in, you know, the call signs in. I don't I don't care about their name. I don't need their badge number and stuff like that. I would just be like, well, hey. the other thing would be you scare them because, like, for instance, like uh, say a like we we would run uh, we would run this one guy at this construction site all the time. He was like a he was one of the subcontractors at this huge construction site. And he was one of the subs that was like, you know, was conducting all the crane operators. And he would just a young guy. I mean, he was like 28 maybe. And he would, uh, he just dropped out. Never had a seizure before. Just dropped out, started convulsing. But when we got there, he was with it. Didn't want to go. Didn't want to go. Didn't want to go. Didn't want to. It's like, well, look, if you don't want to go with us, you're not fucking driving anywhere. And if you're going to try to drive them, the cops here are going to put a stop to it. So either you go with us or you find someone else to drive you 
where you need to go because you're not driving a car. Yeah, and I would guess by like OSHA regulations, he's probably not allowed to go operate machinery at that point anymore either. Right, and he's got all of his coworkers and people that work for him telling me, look, man, come on, you need to go. So lo and behold, fast forward, we'll run him again several months later. Same site, same situation. And this time, same thing. He doesn't want to go, doesn't want to go, doesn't want to go, doesn't want to go. And it's like, well, you know the drill. If you don't want to go, you can't fucking drive, man. He goes, I know. I haven't been able to drive since the last time. Because, you know, he he went and got seen at the doctor later on after the first time. And they did f- find something significant. And, you know, like whenever someone has a seizure, especially a, a, a new onset, they're going to take their driver's license away for up to seven months. And that's what happened. And so was, his, was, was his because he, like didn't want to know he had something did not didn't have insurance. Like what was his, his, his deal was he, now he was the owner of this subcontracting company that was working on the site, you know, with the cranes and, and all the, the lift work and stuff like that. And he's just like, I, he goes, I can't, I can't afford to go to the hospital right now. He goes, cause I got to pick my daughter up. It's like, well, you can't fucking drive anywhere, man. So how are you going to do that? Unless you get someone to drive you. You know, he's like, he's like, I can't go to the hospital right now. He goes, I got, I got stuff going on with my wife. When I get home tonight, I got stuff going on with my daughter. It's like, I don't have time to deal with this. It's like, well, you need to get your priorities straight, man. I understand what you're saying about your family, but you just dropped out and you convulsed for two minutes. Come on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You might not you be think here you're fine now. Days, yeah. You think you're fine now. And I think it's amazing that you're even this lucid, but. You know, you, you need to find out what's going on or you're not going to be there for your daughter maybe next time, you know, and uh, right. still he was stubborn, man. It's like he just some people just uh, and I even when I come across these, I'm like, I'm a stubborn bastard, too. But it's like, shit, even I'd go get you. Yeah, but also on those you know? calls, too, it's like it's a good thing to have like lots of uh, witnesses, too. So you have, you know, so I would document that in that scenario, like on a work site like that. Um, oh, yeah. Document, you know, obviously your partner's there. They, they know that if there's a fire crew with you, you, you can, you know, mention they were on the scene. You have mentioned police were on the scene. If they were on the scene, you could mention uh, he was surrounded by tons of coworkers. You don't need to get their names or anything, but you could say he was surrounded by coworkers that day. They can look back right. and figure out who was working that day that were to come to it. You know, just something like that to see what. Yeah, because you're right. Some instances like that, it's like, okay, see ya. You know what I mean? Well, it, it, you know, you. <laughs> uh, that was also one of those times where my old partner, uh, and it was the second time him and I had run this, this kid, this guy for the seizure. And this time he's like, you know, my partner's like, it's the same guy. Like, yeah, we're rolling up because it's the same fucking guy. I was like, yeah, because my partner's like, Oh hell no, he's going this time. I'm like, I'm like, all right, man, just be cool. You know, let's see what's going on. And did he put, did he, he put on we, his cape when he got out of the unit? We do our spiel and all that. And then it gets to the point where he says, he's like, Man, you need to go or you're going to die. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just like kind of tapped. I'm like, whoa, man, come on, just chill out, just, just relax. Yeah, I can't you know, stand that stuff. I can't. No, I mean, and he, but he was right. He was right. But at the same time, it's like when it gets to when you're at that point and then when you're, when you're getting aggressive adamant about not wanting to go, all you're doing is just, you know, adding gasoline to the fire. Yeah. You don't need, I, and my, this is my opinion. This is Jason's being, I don't think you need to be aggressive with the patient. No. Like we're all adults. We all understand what the word, uh, and, and I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about adult situations here. Um, we're all oh, yeah. adults. We know what the word die means. We know what the word death means. Um, and if you want to take that risk, 
fuck you. I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? I'm going to urge you and all that stuff, but otherwise I don't care. You know, but then to come so, at it with like an attitude of like, you have to go. I'm like, well, you, he doesn't have to go because you have no way of enforcing him to go. You as a paramedic, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending how you look at it, <laughs> um, can't force him to go. Only law enforcement can force him to go. And they have yeah, to my partner, God him. bless him. He just, he's concerned about the guy's well-being, and he's also concerned about the general public. It's like, you can't fucking drive after this, man. But that was before we knew that he hadn't been driving at, from the first seizure. He had his license taken, so. Yeah, but he's also, you got it um, as, as a medic. To me, if I had a partner right. that was like that, I'm also now worried a little bit, not, not that day particularly, but I'm worried a little bit about, like, my partner's well-being. Because if you're getting that invested in, well, it doesn't happen. You, you got to, yeah, yeah, it you got to all the time. You got to watch that because, like, if you if yeah. you go home and worry about everything that happened that day, and then compound that by twenty years, you know, or ten years, whatever how old many years he's been doing it at that time, you're gonna have some problems in your life that you don't need to have. Yeah. Well, so. well, you know, it it uh, just one of those things. So uh, he signed out again, and then one of his uh, his other foreman. Drove him where he needed to go, whether it was to the closest urgent care, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, that's why, like you said before, it's good to have an engine crew there. It's good to have multiple cops there and then his multiple colleagues and foremans on the site that are witnessing the whole thing and that witnessed it before we got there. Exactly. So, well, hey, man, we're, at, we're a little past the hour, Mark. Do you want to add anything else before we wrap up today? No, man, I think that's pretty good. I think so, too, man. I think this is a rock star podcast. Hey, uh, so thanks. Well, I, every, well, I just want to say a real quick thing here. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. I know we've been a little uh, slack, but uh, we're getting back into it because um, we're just waiting for good topics. We don't want to, like, bore you with stuff. So trying to find cool topics. We thought we did a good job with these today. Um, if you appreciate this podcast, like this podcast, tell your friends, listen, uh, give us five-star reviews. You give us a five-star review, we'll read it on the next podcast. Um, and like I said, tell your friends, uh, if you want to email us with any comments, topics that you'd like us to cover, it's paramedicsunscripted at gmail.com. Again, that's paramedicsunscripted at gmail.com. You can also find us on our Facebook page and Instagram and all that stuff under Paramedics Unscripted. And you can message us those ways as well. But the email is the best way to get through to us. And uh, Bobby, what else do you want to you, you add? Yeah, or you can get a hold of us on uh, True Social um, at paramedics underscore unscripted 2022 should probably change that to 2023 but it's still 2022 some asshole probably took it yeah <laughs> they probably did but again that's <laughs> at Fuck paramedics <laughs> that's at paramedics underscore unscripted 2022 and that's true social all right cool man well then without further ado we will see you next time on paramedics unscripted, unscripted.